Our title this morning is Five Biblical Points for Gospel Life and Living. Now, I'm not going to get all this done for time has went on a bit this morning, and I don't want to rush it, so I'll maybe do the first point, which is actually the longest, and then we'll continue on with the other points. Next Sunday morning, I've asked Aaron to bring a word, and uh, I'll be here in the Lord's will. We'll all be here, um, but I've asked Aaron to bring the word on Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, I'll be back on again, and then Sunday night at quarter past eight. Isn't that right? Quarter past eight. It's uh, down to Loch Brickland then. I'm speaking in Loch Brickland, so Aaron's going to help me out on Sunday morning, and he's going to bring a word uh, to us then. Philippians chapter 1, we'll just read the first few verses and we'll see how we get on. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. And grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul says here in verse 5, speaks of the fellowship of the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel, he says, and I thank you for it, he says. So we want to look at point one is fellowship in the gospel. Then when we uh, eventually get there, we will be looking at point two, which be the furtherance of the gospel. And uh, that you'll find that in verse 12. And then in verse 17, there's the defense of the gospel, the defense of the gospel. And then if you let your eye run down, we're going to have our next one in verse 27. Verse 27, and it is living the gospel. Living the gospel. Your conversation or your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And then in verse 27, our last one is faith in the gospel. Faith in the gospel. This morning we're looking especially at fellowship in the gospel. The word Fellowship here is a word, koinonia. Koinonia. It means a joint participation. A common interest. A common activity. Let me just say it again because it's very important. Fellowship here means a joint participation in a common interest or in a common activity. Let me give you some examples of this word just to strengthen it for you this morning. Acts chapter 2 Verse 42, it says of the, the disciples, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now notice, they continued from the Lord's resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. From the baptism of the Spirit, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. The Holy Ghost taught them about baptism. Holy Ghost taught them and what they should do, and how they should lead the church. And so here, the apostles' doctrine, you can say, here they're taught in Bible study. So the fellowship together, they had Bible study, or times like our gathering 
this morning. It's so important to be in the house of the Lord. People say, well, I'll come maybe one week and not the next, or one meeting and not even the evening meeting, or I'll not come during the week. And I know people are work uh, during the week and they can't make it for one reason or another, but fellowship in, uh, under the sound of the Word of God is so important. Just the last two Tuesdays especially, God's poured out His Spirit here. We worship, prayed, and praised here for two and a half hours on Tuesday night. Two and a half hours, and everyone's saying, that was fantastic. It was a great turnout, but even at that, God turned up, and God turned out. And it was just a real blessing. It was great to have. And, and when we see that happening, you realize how important it is. Someone said to me, I didn't realize even how important it is to have fellowship during the week. To have that meeting during the week, that blessing, even to have that teaching, to be in God's presence with God's people, you know, in joint participation. And that's where the strength is. That's where strength is during the week. Notice here, here so you have the apostles, do, apostles' doctrine and, and fellowship and breaking of bread. Breaking of bread is so important. Being out at the Lord's table in the morning. Breaking of bread is of the utmost importance. It's not a secondary thing. It's something that we do because we are reminded that Christ died for us. Listen, brothers and sisters, we could talk uh, uh, all, all week about that Christ died for us, but it's really understanding it and getting it into our hearts and into our minds. It's really understanding the power of the cross, which we're still plumbing the depths of and will always will be. Understanding what Jesus did when he died, it was, just, it was more than just a man dying on a cross. It was more than a prophet dying or, or a priestly sort of a man dying or some spiritual guru dying. It was more than a man of a historical figure dying. It was the almighty God in flesh tasting death for you. And that's how important it is, not only for salvation, but that's how important it is that we remind, are reminded that he bore our sin, our shame, our sorrow, our sufferings and our sickness. We need to get back to the power of the cross. And that's what I endeavor to do here in CET, to bring us back. Bring us back. Look, the, when we pray for the sick, it's not on me. It's on what he's done. It's nothing to do with me. I'm just a man. It's like physician heal thyself. I can't. I can't cure anyone. I can't cure anything. I can't even cure bacon. You know, but it, it, I can't cure anything. And people saying, you will go in the pastor. But no, listen, every one of you getting back to what the cross has done for us, getting back to believing what Christ has done, every one of us has the ability, if you have the spirit within you, to go pray for someone else. To go and pray for the sick. To go and say, well, God's word says it. Let's do it. You don't need the pastor to be the one at the front. And yes, by the way, we, 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 we're here for that. Don't get me wrong. Getting back to the power of the cross and fellowshipping in what Christ has done. See, the problem with the church today is they don't fellowship anymore in what Christ has accomplished and what Christ has done. And what has he accomplished? He's, oh, we've sang my sin, oh, the blessed, glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And that is true. But also we need the fellowship in the power of the blood. We need the fellowship in the debt that's been paid. We need a fellowship in his body nailed to the tree. And what did he take? He took the curse of the law. He took everything that is against you, every demonic spirit and force that hell itself could throw at you was defeated when Christ died on the cross. And it's fellowshipping in that. 
Well, you know what? Uh, uh, this is the old devil's attacking me. Well, let's pray for you and let's tell him to go because he's no reason to be here. He's no authority over you, believer. He's no power over you. He cannot hold you. You know why? Because you are redeemed, bought with the blood of Christ. And Jesus, his spirit, lives within you. Fellowshipping and breaking of bread tells us, reminds us week by week what Christ has done for us. That you and I, even though we fail, who fails the Lord? Every single one of us. I'll put my two hands up. There you are. All the time, every day. I don't mean to. I try not to, but I do. And even though we fail, yet the power of the blood of Christ still cleanseth us from all sin. Isn't that amazing? Understanding, let's fellowship, go and join participation. We're not here to say, you know, I'm better than you and you're better than me or I haven't done as bad as you and you've done or, or, or I've done worse than you. No, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God now elevated to sonship in Christ. That's all we are. That's all we are. So it's in the breaking of bread and in prayers, prayer meeting, prayer time at home, gathering for prayer. The prayer meeting is the poor house of the church. The prayer meeting is the poor. See, if we say we'll have a great topic and we're going to do it in Bible study, we usually find that there's a great turnout. Every church finds it, by the way, not just us. See, when we say we're going to have a real time of intercessory prayer, it cuts by two-thirds, maybe. Notice here, the disciples continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Notice, on fellowship, and joint participation of prayer, of breaking bread, and of gathering together under the word. Here's another one, 1 Corinthians 10 and 16. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not the communion of the body of Christ? And we talk about communion, it's the same word for fellowship, it's the word koinonia. Is this not joint participation together that we're saying, Lord, we're one body, we're unified together, that you die for us? See, the believers gather around the table in the morning because we are now one in Christ. I want you to know something, believer. Every single one of you, this side, every single one of you, that side, right the whole way down. I love you in Christ. You're my brothers and sisters, and I love every one of you in the Lord. I might not like you sometimes, but I love you. And you may not like me. Someone just lost... Not last week, the week before, I was talking to me and they said, well, you know, we've heard about CET. I'm thinking of coming down sometime to, to fellowship with you. And I says, that's great, that's great. And he says, uh, but I heard about that the, the preaching can be, can be a bit strong. And I said, well, I'm a Mormite preacher. There's people who love me and there's people who hate me. I said, so come and find out. Mormite Davidson, eh? You're not going to please everyone, brother. You're not going to please everyone, sister. Don't try to. Just live before God. And those who will love you will love you. Let haters hate and let those who love you love you. Notice this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, 
Oh, we're hitting a, we're hitting a hard one now, aren't we? Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Now, this is definitely gospel living, joint participation, good news living, isn't it? It's who we fellowship with. Now, notice this. Be ye not unequally yoked together. It gives the idea of plowing a field, straight lines, straight furrows, and where they put the yoke on two oxen, they could walk together. They could pull together. Two donkeys or asses, they could pull together. But a donkey and an oxen, they would pull at different speeds, at different strengths, and, and the, the very furrow that they would be pulling would go offline. And once one goes off kilter, you know what happens by the time you get to the end of the field. I don't do any painting and decorating. I call Big Kyle and ask him to help me out. But I'll tell you why, because it wouldn't be the first time I tried to paint or tried to hang wallpaper, and as you get it up there, it looks all right, but you don't realize it's a little bit off. See, by the time you get to the wall, the other sheet's going that way. Well, mine does anyhow. Mine does. And that's the same with being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that is not, if you're married, if you're married and you get saved and the other one isn't saved, that doesn't mean to say you don't be unequally yoked. You, you live as long as they're pleasing to live with you. That's what the scripture says and vice versa. That's what the scripture says. But if not, then they're free to go in that sense. But that's another story altogether. We'll talk about that some other time. Notice this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, the word here uh, for righteousness, it simply means the condition which is acceptable to God. So our lifestyle and who we walk with, who we talk with, who we spend time with, where we go, what we do, is that acceptable to God? And then there's unrighteousness here is a word onomia. I touched on it last week and it means it's where we get the doctrine antinomianism from. And antinomianism simply means no law. No law. Lawlessness. The opposite of law is not grace. Now get that, write that down because that's, everybody thinks the opposite of law is grace. No, it's not. The opposite of law is lawlessness. The opposite of law is lawlessness. So let me give you an example of lawlessness. Can you imagine if there was no laws in the land? And you're sitting in your home on a Saturday night, someone kicks your door in, takes away your children, takes your cars and your, 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 car, your car keys, takes your car, smashes it up a wall, and goes and does the same to your neighbor. You say, I'm going to phone the police. Say, well, for there's no law. Now, if it was grace was the opposite of law, we'd say, well, sure, you know what? Live as you like. <laughs> Crush as many cars and break into as many homes. And, you know, uh, can you imagine if it was one person going to another man's wife and saying, no, it's not your wife because there's no law. Can you imagine if someone came in and they were angry and they went into, went into the school like they did in the United States and slaughtered those little children and all those, all those poor kids? There's no law, nobody to stop them. You know why? Imagine if there was a war broke out then and everybody was slaughtering and there was no law to stop, no police forces or anything like that. Can you imagine if you went to school and there's no laws, no rules and regulations in school and that's where the anarchists want, you see, no law. They don't want to be accountable for anything. But brothers and sisters, God gave us law, not only national, but for our living. And he gave it for us that, that we would have law. 
I'll be honest, Northern Ireland and our past troubles, but sure, it was an acceptable level of violence and it was all this sort of stuff. And you were able to go into prison and get out after a few murders with about five years behind you. Where's the law? Lawlessness. Grace does not cover that. It's like if you were to drive through the, the, the main street of Guildford here at 50 miles an hour and the policeman stops you and he says, you know you've broken the law. And you say, well, yes, and the law is there. Is there. It's 30 miles per hour. And, and you've went to 50, say, and he says, you've broken the law. You're guilty as charged, brother. You're guilty as charged, sister. So would I be. But if he says, I'm going to let you off this one time, you'd be so thankful. You're not getting a ticket. You're not getting a fine. No points on the license. Off you go. That's grace. But that doesn't mean to say next time you drive through here, you just hit 50, 60 mile an hour because you'll get let off. That's lawlessness. That's lawlessness. So notice what it, when we bring that into this verse, when we bring it into this verse, he says, what fellowship have the righteousness with unrighteousness? Or what fellowship do you have with someone who's lawless before God, lives how they want, does what they like? And the problem is, and I don't want to, I don't want to try and stir up any ill will or ill feeling, there are big mainline churches that are telling you now more or less lawless. It's all lawless. That's called antinomianism. Notice here, the condition acceptable to God, the only condition you and I can be acceptable to God is in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then we're righteous. The law is written in our hearts, and we go on to know him. But here, the word fellowship in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 is not the word koinonia. It's not the word koinonia. It's a word mitukha. Let me try and explain this the best I can. This word here, mituka, gives the idea of a more restrictive sense than koinonia. For example, what it's saying is there is no fellowship whatsoever in the truest sense being righteous and unrighteousness. None. No, there's no, there's no way around us. So what do we do with this? The word communion. What fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? So it's absolutely none. Listen, I, I don't really see any of my old friends anymore. A lot of them are dead anyway. But there's a few still about and a few times I've spumped into some of them, and, I, and my heart, they're still my friends. You know, my old mates I grew up with, I love them. But once I go to start talking to them, I don't know what to say to them. I talk to them about the Lord, and they run from me. How you doing? I, will you, are you still working? Yes, are you still working? And it's like, when you used to spend hours and days and weekends with them, and it just flowed from you, and, and the crack was there, oh, well, that's all fine, but... Here's the thing. Now, I have nothing in common with them. 
we have nothing in common with what the world has to offer us. Nothing. And that's the idea of this. The word communion is the word, again, koinonia. So he says, what he says is, what communion or koinonia, what joint participation hath light and darkness? And he refers back to righteousness and unrighteousness here. What, what participation is the light with the dark? Listen, you, there is no participation in light with darkness. Here's why. Because darkness only exists in the absence of light. Think about it. Darkness can only exist in the absence of light. If you were to come into the building and it was middle of the night and it's pitch black and you can't see, that's why we have the fire exit signs that people could see in the, in the event of a fire in the dark. But what if they weren't here and everything was so pitch black you can't see a finger in front of you? Once you turn a light switch on, what happens? Where's the dark go? Do you ever wonder? <laughs> Where'd that dark go? But the thing about this is, is, if you're light and they are dark, if you're righteous and they are unrighteous, the two cannot marry together, cannot fellowship together, cannot pull together, cannot have joint participation together in the things of Christ. The only way you can is when you step into their world. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, please. Thank the Lord for his word, for his scriptures. Notice, pardon me, First John chapter 1 verse 5. Pardon me. Listen to what he says. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in God. We glibly go past that and say, yeah, well, God's light. He's a great light. No, you understand this. He is the purest of light that we can't even comprehend. See the light that's coming from these here? Now, Nicky's an electrician. He could probably tell me better. But these lights, these lights aren't pure. These lights aren't pure. There's spots in the lights. And I don't mean spot lights. There's spots, little spots of, of darkness and light. But in God, there is no spots. None. That's why we tell the unsaved, you must be born again. That's why we tell them, you must be cleansed by the power of the blood of the Lamb. That's why we tell them, you must be saved. Because if you're coming with good works, you're bringing spots to the feast. That's what you're doing. There's spots in your feast. There's, there's dirt on the garment. There's darkness trying to mingle with the light, and it just doesn't work. It just cannot be had. So notice here what he says. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other, another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Thank God for the blood. Because I'll tell you why. Every single one of us step out of the light. Isn't that true, brothers and sisters? This light's flickering, see that? <laughs> Let there be light. 
every single one of us step out of the light at some point. Thank the Lord when we come to him and say, Father, I've stepped out of the light. He says, all right, the blood of my son has paid your debt. Come back in. I'm into the fold. So, if we say that we haven't lie, haven't sinned, we're told we're a liar. The truth isn't in us, which means there's darkness. You've broken the ninth commandment. You know what that means? That means it's unrighteous. That's called iniquity when you break the commandments of God. So Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul says that he gives thanks, he says, to the Philippian church for your fellowship in the gospel. Now we know what the gospel is, don't we? It's good news. Gospel is glad tidings. It's the word euangelion. Good news, glad tidings. Do you know the gospel of Christ is mentioned 11 times? The good news of Christ is mentioned 11 times. The gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, that is the coming kingdom of Christ, is mentioned four times. The gospel of God, it's called. The good news about God is mentioned seven times. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, it's called the gospel of Christ, or pardon me, Christ's gospel. Christ's gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it's called the glorious gospel of Christ. That Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then in Ephesians 6 and 19, it's called the mystery of the gospel. The mystery that the angels look into and the prophets require of. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 is called the gospel, or the good news of your salvation. That's what it is, good news, isn't it? That you got saved and you were unworthy. Good news and you couldn't save yourself. And of course then we have in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, it's called the gospel of the grace of God. Isn't that lovely? It's the gospel or the good news of grace. Unworthy sinners, God coming. And also then in Revelation 14 and in verse 6 is called the everlasting gospel. Here's one for you though. Romans chapter 10 and verse 15. Romans chapter 10 and verse 15. It's called the gospel of of peace. The good news of peace. Listen, troubled mind. The good news of peace is in Jesus. Listen, troubled heart. The good news of peace, not of hate, not of anger, not of rejection, not of bitterness. He hasn't turned you away. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you, nor forsaken you. The good news of peace is that I am with you, he says. The good news of peace that he loves you. The gospel of, of peace is that you are in fullness of peace because of who he is. Those of you who are feeling unwell, feeling sick, those of you who are going through trials, those of you who have failed, 
Those of you who have went wayward. Those of you who have backslidden. Those of you who have went cold in heart. The gospel of peace is this, that he has not changed. And that he still loves you. And that you're still his. So here's something we have to look at. Paul says, thank you for your fellowship in the gospel. For your common interest. Thank you for your common interest in the gospel. Now we have to ask ourselves, with whom? With whom do you fellowship? With whom do you have a common interest? In what is your joint participation? Notice, and time's already gone, so I'm going to have to just do this one, round it up and let you get away home. Listen. Who you fellowship with, brother, who you fellowship with, sister, is of the utmost importance. Who you have joint participation with in ministry is of the utmost importance. That's very, very important. First of all, you're going to find that one may be unequal to the other in strength and ability, but yet they'll be stronger than the other in something else. And you have to learn to deal with those things. Outside, uh, in your workplace or at your home or whatever, who are you in joint participation with and in whom do you fellowship with when you're outside of here? Because that's where the crux of the matter is. Whom do we listen to? Listen, see if you're going to listen to negativity, you'll be negative. See if you listen to someone that's bitter, you're going to become bitter. The water which flows from you will become as bitter as the water that's stagnant in them. See if you're going to listen to someone who's got a grape, you'll become a griper. Is there such a thing as a griper? If you're around Christians who don't believe that God still does these things, that he's still the same yesterday and today and forever, you're going to end up with one of those uh, brothers or sisters who are stuck, who are not fellowshipping in the power of the cross. If you fellowship somewhere that it's a dead duck society, you're going to end up what? A dead duck. It's as simple as that. If you fellowship with someone who's always pulling down people and pulling them down and, and saying things wrong about them, what are you going to end up doing? Joining their participation and pulling them down. But when the angels came to the disciples, to, the, to God's people, they always came with good news. You know what the first thing there was when they were afraid? They said, fear not. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You know why? They were in the presence of Jesus and whom they fellowship with now and joint participation of ministry with, they came with that spirit. Listen, brother, don't be worried. We're here for you. Listen, sister, don't be upset. We love you. Listen, weak. That's okay. You be weak at this point. Some of us are strong. We'll lift you up. That's joint participation in the good news of the gospel of peace, the mystery of the gospel, the gospel of Christ. When someone falls, don't be like the devil and kick them when they're down. Be like Jesus and lift them up. 
lift them up. When people curse you, bless them. When people hate you, pray for them. Don't be drawn into arguments and things where it's here or online or Facebook or wherever it may be. Don't be drawn into it, but rather just keep the silence and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. The Lord gave me many years ago. Quietness and confidence is my strength. And I just wait and I just pray for them. Let God be the one that does the dealing. Notice what it says here in Proverbs 27 and 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpening the blade. Iron sharpens iron. Some people are going in there and they're not sharpened with iron. They're, they're being blunted. The passion for Christ is being blunted. Their love for Jesus is almost extinguished because a friend, so-called, they blunt that thing that they had for God. Jesus is moving and blessing, and suddenly there's a little whisper. It blunts you. It hurts you. Disillusions you. Disappoints you. And you become like them. Rather, stay in the presence of God and in joint participation with them that love the Lord Jesus Christ, that want to see God move and do things for his glory. And there you'll find you'll be sharpened even all the more, ready to be a threshing instrument for the kingdom of God. And listen, see if God removes people from your life who have been a leech on your back. Good. 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 In the church we talk about the blessing addition of the Lord. Listen, what about the blessed subtraction of the Lord? God knows what he's doing. Live in the good news. Listen, don't get into huddles. Thank the Lord with unity here. I'll do anything to keep the unity with you. And if I was to see a group running down somebody else, I'm going to go over and put my foot on it. And I hope you do. Don't participate in it. But rather, always the edification. You may talk about someone because you're concerned for them and you want to see how they are. But you know what I mean. Give me two minutes. I'm finishing. Here's one we always say of the Lord Jesus. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we all heard that one. We all maybe even said that one. Well, see, the beginning of that verse, actually, it actually says, a man that hath friends must show himself to be friendly. Here's the thing. If we are in this good news of the cross, what Christ has done, then surely, brothers and sisters, every one of us have something to talk about. I came to a church and nobody spoke to me. That should never happen. should never happen. But here's just in case it has. Who did you speak to? Nobody spoke to me. And I'd say, well, did you speak to them? No, they should have spoke to me. Listen, it's not about who speaks to who. You know what it is? It's about joint participation in the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's about coming and saying, I'm looking forward to being with my brethren. I'm looking forward to being with my sisters. This is a safe house for you. 
This is a safe house for the believer. It's a place where we meet with Christ. That's why we call Christ encounters. It's not to meet with a pastor. Dear, help us if it is. Don't even like myself. It's not the man, it's the message. It's the message. It's coming to meet him. Death and life. Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So here's the thing. Just going to do it this way. See, Billy. You want to hear some of the things I heard about it? <laughs> Telling you when they eat, Billy, when you have to watch him. So now what you're thinking is you're going, I'm going to have to watch him. There's a seed planted in your mind, and Billy knows nothing about it. You know what we're doing? We're killing that man. We're slaying him. But you know what happens? It comes back on us. I'm not saying you've done that, by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you know what happens? It comes back on you. And God brings you the boot for it. <coughs> Be careful what you say. And when you hear of things that have been said, doesn't matter where it is in the workplace. It doesn't matter if it's at home. It doesn't matter where it is. Listen, you leave it to God. And when they're speaking that, one day they're going to pick up the same tree. Don't let it get like poison in you. Don't let bitterness to come in. You know why? You know what bitterness is like? Bitterness is like you swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what it's like. Bitterness is like you or I swallowing poison and expecting the other one to die. And then you die because, and they're thriving. You're saying, hold on a minute, but I'm, I, something's wrong here. Hebrews 10 and 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So if you want to provoke someone and bring it into a blessing, provoke them to love. Provoke them to love. Going down this way. Andrew's in, going, that man's a nightmare with his camera. Aaron, I want you to know that I love you. You can tell me back if you want. Love you, right. I had to ring that out of him there, didn't I? I had to ring that out of him. I was all sincere. He goes, all right, well. <laughs> did you break bread with me this morning, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Provoke that person to love. Provoke them to love others. Tell them, you know what? Wendy, let's not talk about Billy, but let's love him. You go, what? Did you not know I said it? And I said, didn't do that. I'm just saying. I'm just going to put it out there. But you know, that's just, you know, let's love him instead. Crater, look at him. Bless him. <laughs> Sorry. 
that person, that man, that woman has been bought with the blood of Jesus. Now, remember that. And when you are not in fellowship, joint participation in the gospel, then you're outside of that in darkness and light, uh, out of light and into darkness. And you know what happens? All of that starts to turn the heart. But Jesus says, here, my, if you want fellowship with me, my blood will cleanse you. My blood will cover you. You'll walk in my righteousness. And here's what will happen. He will bless you. Bless, 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 bless. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Encourage someone. Encourage. Wendy, I think your piano playing is absolutely fantastic. I know I'm, I'm saying that honestly. I'm, <laughs> she's laughing. I'm not <laughs> Honestly. I'm being, she doesn't worry I'm being serious now or not. You're never going to sit there again, sure you're not. <laughs> That's an old honesty. Billy. Billy's become my wingman. And I can hear Billy singing away, and he makes such, you know, makes such richer sound when we're singing, playing away. I mean, it's encouraging one another. Oh, here's him coming to play beside me. I was the guitar player here, you know. It's not like that. Encourage someone. Encourage someone. <laughs> I actually wrote people in rather than... Oh, you know what? Lloyd at the door. Lloyd, you do a brilliant job. See? You do a brilliant job. I could go around. I'm going to f- I leave people out because there's so many working in, in the church and doing things. Encourage them. But here's the thing, and we're, way, we're usually away home by now, but listen, here's the thing. See, when you're singing or whether you're playing or whatever you're at the door or whatever you're doing or you're cleaning and somebody says, you know something, Laverne? See that cleaning team? There's a wee bit of dirt in there around. You turn and say, hold on a wee second. Go ahead and get them the, the brush or the hoover and say, there you are. <laughs> see if someone says to you, see you're singing this morning. It's all good news. We're all in Christ. No, we're doing with we, the encourage one another. See, see you're singing this morning. I didn't really like him singing or her singing. Here, well, come on up and you take the mic and I'll sit down for a while and say, how you get on? It's not true. Arn, see you're preaching. <laughs> Set yourself down, would you? <laughs> it was great. It was great. I listened whenever I was in Tenerife and I listened to it that night and I thought, this is fantastic. I had to contact them from, from T. Reef, didn't I? I said, that's great, keep going, keep going. I'm no good. Yes, you are. You may not be good enough on your own steam to get to heaven, but you're righteous in Christ, so you are. You are. I'm worthless. No, you're not. You were bought with the blood of Christ. The whole world can't afford you. What's the profit of man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can give nothing for it but the blood of Christ. This is good news. I'm worthless. No, you're not. You're worth more than the very universe. Jesus thought so anyway. Jesus thought so. You know why I'm continuing on here? Because I know I'm ministering to people here. I know you're listening. I know I'm ministering to you. You may turn around and say, well, I'm weak and I can't do it. Yes, you can, for you can do all things. And that doesn't mean say you go up and jump out of an airplane without a parachute. <laughs> Let's be sensible. It means in the things for Christ and in this kingdom, he'll never use me. Yes, he will. 
Yes, he will. We've already read this morning that he has begun a good work in you. Listen, God doesn't turn around and start building and say, ah, you know what, the crisis has hit here and the financial crisis has hit and we've no more money to finish the job. Let's just leave him or her a wreck or a ruin. He finishes that which he starts. He completes the task. And he's going to do it with you. He's working in you. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. The Spirit said this morning of the mountains, the valleys, the storms, and the giants, listen, they're all dead. They're under the feet of the Lord. Crushed at Calvary. Let's go on in God. Let's go on in Him. Listen, we all know. We all know someone who's struggling. We all know. Pray for them. And we're all hurt maybe by someone. Pray for them. See, the more you pray for them, the less you'll talk about them. And the more you pray for them, it'll happen, the less you'll want to say anything wrong about them. And the less you'll feel hurt over them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Suppose I may close here. Suppose I may close. Look, I felt God's done something this morning. I feel the Lord has done something this morning. 